from Paul to the believers. Now, this church, if you know a little bit, I, I won't belabor it this morning, but a lot of history between Paul and the Ephesian church. He spent three years with them, night and day. I mean, that's a lot of laughing and meals and walking, and we just get a snapshot of it in the book of Acts. Very, very small piece. It's probably roughly nine to 10 years since that time at the time of this writing. So, so he's had minimally, if you will, like a 13-year history with this church at this point in time. He's writing to them. So this is, this is a flood of affection, and it invites us to peer into what partnership really looks like um, in the New Testament, and therefore what we hope by grace to model in grace partnership. We want to understand partnership through the lens of Ephesians. Now, what can we learn about that as we look into this closing section of Ephesians? I, I think a few things are going to stand out. I hope they encourage and inspire you. First and foremost, what we know is that for Paul, the gospel itself was the very heart or the very center of their partnership. Everything that they were together, they were because of Jesus, because of what he did and what he was doing through them. So that's the what. So we're going to go to the how second, even though it comes first, so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. What was the what for Paul? It was the declaration, proclamation, demonstration, living out, discipleship in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he was doing. That was the mission. That's what Paul was all about. That's what he wanted the Ephesian church to be all about. You don't need to be a full-time elder to be all about the gospel. Wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever you do, do to the what? to the glory of God. And what is the pinnacle of the glory of God other than the God? I mean, it's himself, but it's himself expressed through the gospel of his son. That's how we know the glory of God. So for Paul, the proclamation of that gospel and then walking with fellow brothers and sisters to mature in that gospel was the center. That's what their partnership was about. That wasn't like a side issue. That was the issue. I think it's changing a little bit, but it's still in vogue, the word missional today. Uh, what does that even mean? <laughs> because it can mean almost anything. It can, it, can be, it can be just a confusing term if it's not defined, but, but, but missional at its core is trying to answer the what question. Now, no doubt, Paul did have shared interests with the Ephesians. He had mutual Enjoyment. I was just talking earlier. We were talking about the gym. It's like, okay, we like the gym. That's a shared interest. I don't know if Paul liked the gym or not. I, I, don't, I don't know if Crunch was open in Ephesus in the years he was there or not. I don't know if they had 24-7 fit going on there. Probably not. <laughs> but uh, in any event, if, even if they did, and even if Paul liked the gym, and even if some of the dudes in Ephesus liked the gym, that wasn't their center. Right, right. Yeah. That's that just something they liked. That wasn't their mission. Shared interests, mutual enjoyment, liking one another's company, that's not mission. No, mission for Paul was the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ further and further while simultaneously seeing the roots of the gospel go deeper where it already was. That's why he was always here to come back around and visit the churches. 
I want to see how they're doing, how they're doing, how they're doing. It's beautiful. That's what Paul's picture was. And he declares it in his letter to the Philippians when he starts. He said it this way to them. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So, so that, that, that was everything for partnership and Paul's understanding, that it was centered around the person of Jesus. Now, secondarily, he understood something. And I love that you had a new member Sunday because I think it speaks to the couples and families that just joined this local church. Just as people will wither and perish in seclusion, guess what? Local churches can too. Local churches that are just completely autonomous, completely independent, completely disconnected. And I'm not talking about polity here. I'm just talking about relationship. Those that are completely disconnected are in danger of becoming so self-focused, inwardly focused, that they wither and perish. See, Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, he's thanking God for them for partnership. That's actually a theme verse for grace, partnership. See, the Philippians, they were a strong, established local church with its own elders, but they were not an independent local church. And the result of that arrangement was not hierarchy, but rather a relational, as Paul says it, partnership of joy. That's what I trust the new members who just joined here are going to experience. You're not going to have an elder show up, as far as I know. You're not going to have an elder show up in your house tonight. Hey, what are you cooking for dinner? Well, did you know at Trinity on Sundays, this is what we eat? Like, that's not going to happen. It's not going to be that intrusive, if you will. <laughs> not at all. They're not trying to build a, a homogeny here, a, a, a singularity where everybody looks, acts, thinks on every issue the same way. No, no, that's not what you're gathered here for. But as you heard declared, they are going to shepherd you. They're going to seek to point you to Jesus over and over and over again. Why? Because of partnership. Why? Because they have to? Not really because they want to, because they love you. That's what it was for Paul. And, and I love again, as he gets into this, he says, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. How long were those church meetings? He's going to tell you everything. But listen, not only the what, but how they're doing. Now, let's remember, there's no Facebook there's no TikTok, praise God. There was none of that then. There was no, I mean, it could be months before you're getting communication, before you're getting updates. You know, one brother may show up and tell you Tychic is sick, and it could be months before you get the update. You don't know. So these visits were precious. I, I, don't, I don't think they were squeezing them into the schedule. It was like, no, 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 clear the schedule. They're going to tell us everything. And those would have been moments of joy for the church. Wayne Meeks, in his book, The First Urban Christians, he said, the local groups of Christians not only enjoyed a high level of cohesion and group identity, they were also made aware that they belonged to a larger movement. 
Again, think of the times that was in first century. It was quite likely you would, if you were a believer, a brother or sister in the church in Ephesus, you might never meet so many of the people you're hearing about in other places in your earthly lifetime. You think about that? Like, and we'll come to them again later, but when the Macedonians would, would give a gift to help relieve the saints in Jerusalem who were suffering because of the famine, most likely they never met them, this side of glory. Yet, they were aware. They belong to us. We belong to them. They are brothers and Sisters. So what was happening in other places, the highs and the lows and everything in between, that was something Paul understood was a primary part of his relationship with the churches. He, he wanted them to not only be aware of information, but, but to be vitally connected in hearts with believers in other places to talk about, pray about, celebrate, proclaim, and yearn for more of God's work in them. And that would include the highs and the lows. We don't read it right here, but we, we read elsewhere. Paul saying, listen, listen, we know how concerned you were when you heard Epaphrodites was sick. Think about that. That level of care and love and sense of connectivity and belonging. He, 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 again, there's no like, they didn't get the text. Hey, Epaphrodites, your prayers were heard. Thank you. He's well. It, it didn't happen until somebody showed up. With a scroll opened up, they didn't know. That's the level of their care, their devotion to one another. He wrote to an individual believer once, to Philemon. Paul said it this way to him. He said, Philemon, I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you. What a great picture. We refresh one another. We have the opportunity to refresh one another as we invest in one another personally. Locally, yeah. I mean, that may be a great reason. Maybe you weren't thinking of going to the picnic, but maybe you should. Maybe go invest in someone. Encourage someone. Buy me lunch. I, whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> Paul partnered with others in love. Think of times you've been refreshed just by someone taking a little bit of time to ask and more importantly, or at least equally important to the asking, listening, like unhurried. It began there all about what Jesus had done and the bonds of affection that created now, that was their mission. Partnership is missional. It's strategic. It was for Paul. We pray it will be for Grace Partnership. But, and I've been alluding this all the way through, number two, it's relational. It's relational. In fact, I'll say it this way. But I don't know. There we go. I didn't touch it. I mean, things happen, but I didn't touch it. So that you also may know how I'm doing. Now think about this. Look, look, 
Look in your Bible, please, or on your Bible app. There we're green. There we're green. You're looking at your Bible, right? <laughs> you have time? Do you get it? Okay, here it is. Look at verse 22. He already said, so you may know how I am. Look at this. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are. I mean, think about that. I, I don't know the distance that needed traveled, what was involved with this, who he was leaving behind, but... Tychicus is being sent, not, not for the secondary reason of, hey, by the way, if you get time when you're there, like Paul's talking to Tychicus, you get a little time, just let them know how we're doing, all right? No, that was the reason he sent them, so that you may know how we're doing. I'm going to send Tychicus for this very purpose, and then catch the end, that he may encourage your hearts. There's a connection between knowing how people are doing and encouragement. They're not, they're not separated from one another. Tychicus will supplement everything else he had to say. He'll supplement his message with personal news on Paul because Paul knows the Ephesians will want to know how he's doing. Now, again, nothing wrong with these things, but think of like a formal convention conference setting and imagine the guest speakers coming out and whoever's introduced him. Hey, would you just take some time to tell us how you're doing? That, I mean, I think some of them would look at the host like, you, what? It's just not normal. It's not part of things. They just get into their material, whatever it happens to be. And you don't necessarily know anything more personally about that speaker when they're done. Paul couldn't imagine that. He could not imagine that. Why? Because they loved one another. They were family. Again, I mentioned earlier, they were together for three years. We don't have time to go there this morning, but Acts 20, chapter 20, captures the end of that three years. It's Paul. He's called for a meeting with the Ephesian elders on the shore of Miletus. And there's a ship there, and Paul's going to get on it. And when he does, and it sails away, he knows something, and he told them, I will never see your faces again. Now, let's be honest. Maybe we've had one or two people in our life. We thought, all right, not so bad. <laughs> a couple nervous laughs. Okay, four of us are like that, okay? Four of us. All right. The rest of you are just holier than us, and I accept that. I don't have a hard time believing that. <laughs> but these were not those people. When they heard that, it's like they heard nothing else. If you read it, and I hope you will, Acts 20, he goes on to preach like a mini sermon after he, he drops that emotional bomb on them. And then he wants to preach one more time because he is Paul and it's just what those guys do. So he wants to get everything he taught them in three years summed up in a 30-second summary, one last sermon before he goes. But all they heard was they weren't going to see his face again. And it depends on the translation you read. But you'll read in ESV, they embraced him, doesn't capture it. You'll read in some translations, they wept sore. That's some old language. I mean, there's, there's crying and then there's, 
How many of you are fans of the movie Christmas Story? Wow, like four of you. Man. <laughs> Why? I don't even know if I should go with that illustration there because it may not make any sense. But this one makes sense. I mean, do you remember hard crying when you were little that, you know, you couldn't stop? It's just, I mean, by the time you're done, it's like I, my, my whole diaphragm hurts crying. They wept sore. It was like that. Other translations say, and I'm referring to Acts 20, verse 37, they fell on his neck. By the way, the word embrace in ESV, it means not willing to let go. It's not, it, it, it's not the COVID side hug or whatever this thing is we've all been doing. It's none of this jazz. When he told them they weren't going to see his face again, they were ruined. The, there was, if you will, the absence of any suppression of emotion. They let it all out on. I think that ship left a little late. Like, like doors closing or whatever, <laughs> doors closing on a ship, whatever, the, the ramp, right? The thing, the thing you walk up to get on the ship. It's like, they just didn't want to let go. Yeah, I read that. It never gets old to me. I, honestly, I, I think I've spent a lot of years of my life emotionally suppressed when I compare it to this. And then I went to Latin America and got completely ruined. They don't suppress their emotions. I don't want to be a stoic. I don't want to be a stoic. It, 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 it's not natural where there's bonds of affection. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying in our individuality and personality that we all need to express ourselves the same exact way. That's not my point. But within the bandwidth of whom God's created each of us to be individually, let's not be stoics toward his people, toward one another. And I'm sure you've had those experiences. Many of you, you've been here long enough. You remember that family, right? That individual who used to work out at Space Coast and cuts, budget, this, that, the other thing. They didn't want to leave. They stayed as long as they could. But for care, for family, for work, they, they had to go. You remember that last Sunday that family was here? Remember how hard that was? And, and they probably didn't say, we know when we leave and go north on Route 1, we'll never see your face again. They probably didn't even say that. But just that they weren't going to be here the next Sunday mattered to you. Why? Because of relationship. It just flows. Time doesn't permit to go over every passage where this is true. But just a couple. Paul... This one boggles my mind. Philippians 2, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. By the way, that's a church he never personally visited. He wrote that letter from prison, but he still feels that way about them. But this is the part that just boggles my mind. A little later, verses 25, 26, I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, I lose this earlier, your messenger, for he's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. So if you follow the flow, like, listen, as soon as I can, I'm going to send Timothy. But you know what? I'm sending Epaphroditus now because he wants to see you. When he heard of your care, of your love, that you were distressed that he's sick. 
He wants you to see him for himself. Well, healthy, your prayers have been heard. Here he comes. It's amazing. And it all flows from Christ's love for us. Referring to the Thessalonians in a commentary, an individual said, the extensiveness of the Thessalonians' concerns for believers elsewhere is impressive. This generosity, and, and yeah, he's referring to finances, but I, I, I think we could include love there. Generosity of love, which I don't know that you're financially generous if you're not generous in love. This generosity was evidence of the emerging solidarity between congregations in distinct localities. I love that. Solidarity between congregations in distinct localities. Likely those Thessalonians never met those Jerusalem saints in this life. And you're familiar with this, 2 Corinthians. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. They begged us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Again, time doesn't permit, but it, it's a wild story. You think about it. What's going on? There's a famine in Jerusalem. It's severe. Where did the church start? Jerusalem, right? So by the time it is spread throughout Asia Minor, there is that emerging solidarity. The churches in other locations, they feel a debt of gratitude to the church in Jerusalem because they know that had it not been for missionaries and disciples and apostles and pastors leaving Jerusalem and coming to their cities, they might not have been recipients of the gospel. So, so though they were not there, that church meant everything to them and that they were now suffering. Well, Paul... Others, I don't know if they had a formal meeting, whatever, they decided this. Listen, as we get around and travel to the churches, let's let them know what's going on with the saints in Jerusalem. But by the way, when you get to Macedonia, don't bring it up with them because they're in their own hard time. Let's not ask them who are suffering right now to, to, to participate in this. Well, somebody in Macedonia got wind of that or like, what? We don't want that. Don't deny us the privilege of loving our brothers and sisters who are suffering in Jerusalem in those practical. We may not have much, but what we have is theirs. They begged us. Think about that. Think about that. I mean, I don't think they said this strong, but it's like they're saying, Paul, don't you dare rob us of the privilege of loving our brothers and sisters in a tangible way. We know what we have isn't going to solve it all. But we'll just trust God. We'll use it and he'll multiply it. But don't deny us that privilege. And they never met them. Wow. What's it teaches? Partnership's about people. It's not about programs. It's not about structures. It's certainly not about hierarchy. How people are doing is as important, perhaps even more important than what they're doing. So I asked him in the remainder of the time, in the spirit of the things I've shared, believers who haven't met other believers, Trinity Community Church is part of Grace Partnership. Those of you who just joined today, guess what? 
you have family in parts of the world you may not have realized. I'm going to tell you just about some of them. And I want you, I hope, I can't really say, I, I do want, but I hope Holy Spirit will knit your hearts to these individuals in many cases whom you've not met and I'm not sure you ever will meet. Some you may, many you won't, this side of glory. The reason I was in the airport getting a COVID test this morning is, Lord willing, I'll be on a flight to Ukraine tomorrow. We have a church, Hosanna Church. It's part of Grace Partnership. It's in the city of Rivne, Ukraine. That's on the western side of Ukraine, a safe distance, I think, from those Russian tanks that are on the other side of the Ukraine right now. Next weekend, they will celebrate their 30th anniversary as a local church. Now, if you know some Ukrainian history, then you know that about corresponds with when the Cold War ended. Friends, Trinity, some of you are in families who've been in churches for generations. Not so in Ukraine. There are still villages who've not heard the name of Jesus. 30 years ago, when the curtain fell and freedom came, churches began. And in the midst of that was Hosanna Church. And they love Jesus. They love Jesus. That church is well established in their city. For all the ups and downs, here they are, making it 30 years and celebrating the grace of God. And by invitation, I'll go and spend that time with them and meet churches they've planted as those Many individuals come back to the city of Rivne to celebrate with Hosanna 30 years on. Uh, Lord willing, it's going to be a wonderful weekend. Their COVID cases are on the way down. There's, they're, they're more concerned of what's going on politically. Things there have quieted down a little bit too, but it's, they live aware that it's powder keg. They, they, never, they never know. They never really know. So we'll be there. We'll be there together. There'll be testimonies. There'll be stories. There'll, there'll be tears. There'll be all kinds of things. In the midst of this, they've never had their own building, and it's exorbitantly expensive to rent in their city. Now, here, buildings, we can think different about them, but in their case, I think it's not an overstatement to say they need one. And they've already got so many ways in which they're planning for that to be a blessing to the city. There are no loans. A church cannot get a loan. In Ukraine, so what they do is when they have a little money, they build a little more. And when they get a little more money, they build a little more, and that's how they do it. And they've got most of the concrete poured for the subfloor. The pillars are up. A few of those pillars came from people in Grace Partnership. Well, for 30 years, this may sound like a lot. I'm going to translate it for you. <laughs> We're going to give them 30,000 Ukrainian dollars next weekend for their project just to celebrate their anniversary. Now, that's about $1,090 U.S. It's not a lot by our standards. But it will finish the remaining parts of the concrete subfloor that are yet poured. They will get poured uh, sometime after next week once they receive those funds. Maybe your feet will be on that concrete someday in a short-term missions trip to Hosanna Church in Rivne, Ukraine. If you think of them, would you pray for them this week, particularly for the political things going on, that they can really come together and enjoy that weekend? 
This one's very personal to you. I shared with you in November, really in a somewhat passing remark uh, of some meetings that Phil Corson and I, Phil's a name many of you know, he's another director along with Tim, of the partnership. Phil and I had an amazing few days with a number of pastors, but then we met with a subgroup more particularly that really wanted to learn more about, so what are you doing in Grace Partnership? And from that weekend, we had this idea, if we could, if we could just get a few days away with these guys. We hadn't made any plans yet, nothing. I shared that here. And a family in this church was not present that Sunday. They were watching online, and Tim and I were having lunch after church that day, and Tim received a text. I don't know if you've heard this story. Tim received a text. That family asked this question. How much would it cost to do that? We, we, we didn't ask anything. It was just an, like it was an idea. Had no idea what it would cost. Well, Tim shares with me the text. I sent a WhatsApp down to our friend Juan Hernandez, who's preached here, who is a pastor in Mission Rescate in Barranquilla, Colombia, which is a Grace Partnership church there in Colombia. I asked him, hey, what do you think that would cost? He gave us a number. I gave Tim the number. Tim texted the number. Before we left that restaurant, one of your own said, you have it. You have it. In February, we had that retreat. Tim was supposed to come. COVID said no. He wasn't on that trip. But we went. There were nine churches represented. We asked this question on the first night. How many of you have ever been in a setting like this? It's not a conference. It's not a convention. It's not a bunch of formal meetings. It's a time to care for you. How many of you have been in a meeting like this? Not one hand went up. Some of these guys are pastoring over 25 years. Not one time. We rented an Airbnb for three days, and God was with us. Well, what's the fruit of that? Lord willing, in a month, Tim and I, along with Christian Moscoso, a name some of you know from Metro Life Church, and I hope my 12-year-old daughter, Anna, uh, she's going to carry the bags. She's going to come with us. (laughs) We'll go back, and we're going to get to visit eight new Grace Partnership churches in Colombia for now a total of nine Grace Partnership Churches in Colombia. Why? How? Because of Trinity Community Church in Titusville, Florida. You have a family in Colombia. You have a big family in Colombia. Did you know that? You have brothers and sisters. In, you have a lot of places to go stay in Colombia if you ever want to go to Colombia. Just the other night, uh, there's a picture here of a, it's a Zoom meeting. Uh, All right, no worries, but it's part of the fruit of that. We've been every other Monday night for 10 weeks now. Christian and I have been doing Zoom calls with a church in Medellin that we will visit. Well, I'm not, you may be visiting another church while I'm visiting. We're dividing and conquering when we're down there. That's the plan if things stabilize politically there. The point is simply this. Trinity, you uniquely made that possible. Your generosity. Now, it may come from one family. It doesn't matter. Your generosity is what's made that possible. And I can't wait for you to meet some of these dear brothers and sisters, many of whom are 
already saving money to make it to the conference in February, Lord willing, of next year. I want to ask you to pray for that trip. Things politically are really tough in Colombia right now, especially Bogota and Medellin. In Bogota, there are three churches waiting for us. In Medellin, there are two churches waiting for us to come and just spend time with them. And we pray that can happen next month. We pray that Zoom meeting can turn into an in-person meeting there. Uh, Tim will go to Rio Acha. You had Eduardo Ferguson preach here. Some of you may remember Eduardo. Tim will now go and be with him in his church, in his city. Why? Because these are brothers and sisters together. I shared recently in Corning, New York, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, excuse me. I shared with them. I wish you could have seen the, the concern on their faces I, as I shared Alex, your brother's story. Brothers and sisters in Corning, New York, who for as far as I know, you've not met, and they certainly had not met your brother. And yet there were tears in that room. Why? Because we're part of something bigger. Ultimately, the kingdom of God. The part we're part of bigger is not grace partnership. It's the kingdom of God. But within that kingdom, we're just trying to play our part, our little part. And you're a part of that. There are more stories time doesn't permit. I'll just share one last one. Our dear brothers and sisters in the Netherlands. I don't know if you've had Ab Mirbeek preach here yet. Ab has. Okay, you probably... Ab is, well, just a dear brother, a fun guy, so many things. Well, they are rejoicing with caution, you might say right now, as they have a dear brother, an Iranian converted brother. His name is Amir, who is single-handedly responsible for the care of 30 converted Iranian men. But he came down with COVID. He had some pre-existing liver conditions. Honestly, they thought he would already be gone. He was in a coma for nearly four weeks and woke up. Uh, he's communicating with his eyes. He's not able to verbally talk yet. Uh, there's a lot involved there. His wife is not yet a citizen. There's implications that if, if, if he dies and she's in that place, she could be deported back to Iran, who herself is converted to faith and blasted that all over social media, her love for Jesus. So I don't think you need me to fill in the details on what returning to Iran could look like. I mean, would you pray for them? Can you imagine meeting them one day if he's completely healed? What if we could fund his ticket to come to the conference? We prayed for that guy. He's here this wife there are so many opportunities right now a ridiculous amount but I, I want to I just want to close with this share this these are all what ifs I'm, I want to ask it this way I mean I you might say we well, have the microphone I guess you have permission no I really want to ask you do I have your permission to share of a couple opportunities right now in grace partnership do you, you want to hear them what if trinity together what if together what if Trinity made it possible for a poor, poor church in Soledad, Colombia to have two air conditioners inside their church building so that during the sermon, instead of these fans blowing hot air, they could actually hear the sermon because two appropriately sized air conditioners could bring them some relief. I've been there. 
it's hot and humid all year long. Badenkia is right on the Caribbean. It's sea level. It's hot all year long. Lord willing, I'll be in that church on June 20th to celebrate their 10th anniversary. While Tim is in another church that morning, I'll be in that church that morning. What if those members walked in that morning and there was something different in their building? And they didn't know that it had happened that week. And for that family, the pastor's taken a faith-filled step. He sold his taxi because his church is growing. And they need a full-time elder. Equivalent. It takes 20 full-time workers in that part of Columbia to equal what any one of us gives here at Trinity. 20. 20 families to equal one here. So he's still selling shoes with his family on the side. He side hustles whatever he has to to make ends meet. They've never been anywhere as a family. If we receive more than we need for those two air conditioners, what if we gave them three days on the beach as a family just to say, we love you. We love you. We thank God for you. We're so glad to be in partnership with you. Some of you are near and dear to Casa de Esperanza. I was just there in March. The government's telling them they need a new kitchen. It's true. They do. They've got a six-burner stove. Two of the burners out of six work. Uh, they've got counters that are tile with grout, and the government's letting them. You can't, we, you can't have that. The floor um, needs re-poured. There's a drainage system under it that's not working. All this needs to be done to be up to code. And, and the government seems to be being fair with them. and They're not extorting them. But there is a timeline on that. What if? I don't know. What if Trinity? What if people at Trinity? Like, you know what? By myself, I can't do that. But maybe together. Maybe together. And on and on and on. I know you're having some trouble with some graphics, so we'll skip them. But this has happened time and again in our early days. A brother was in the church in Gainesville, and he heard about these 30-year-old mattresses at Casa. And he just asked a question, what's, what's a mattress cost? What's a mattress cost in Bolivia? I don't have the picture, but I can attest because I've slept on one of them. Didn't sleep on all 40 of them. One brother in the church in Gainesville bought 40 new mattresses for Casa so that when missions teams and others come, they're sleeping on new mattresses. And because that happened, the funds we were going to commit to that were instead able to go to a new hot water heater for CASA and a filtration system to help improve their water supply. I posted on Facebook, the Grace Partnership Facebook page earlier this week, a picture of Marco, Marco Choke. Some of you might remember Marco if you were on that missions trip. He's the director of their Center for Education. He's a teacher. He's a director with no education himself. A brother came up to me, and he said, hey, so I'd set aside money. I'd been saving it for seminary. I know i got to wrap this up, Tim. Setting aside for seminary, but it seems God has other plans. This business I started is doing incredibly well, and I think my mission and ministry is actually through this business, not by being an elder formally. But my wife and I were praying and decided instead of making a home improvement, buying a new car or buying you a new car, Aaron, because you were so bold enough to ask for one, 
We're not going to do any of that. Is there someone through the partnership in need of education? Like, ah, uh, yes. What a joy to be there in March and sit down with Marco and his wife and say, so you remember last time we were talking about education? And then I gave him the letter that was translated, letting him know he had a complete full scholarship to an online seminary, Spanish classes. And the picture on the Facebook page is him in his first class earlier this week. And the family gave enough that we're going to be able to supply for the center there, I believe, 50 copies of um, Bible doctrine, the, the revised version by Wayne Grudem that's been translated into Spanish. So that when students come, they've got just something, access to something. See, one of the things I love about what's going on in the partnership of these early days is we don't have a fund that just grows and grows and it sits there earning interest. It doesn't. It moves, and it moves fast because the needs are right there. I could tell you more. You don't need to hear more. You're already a generous church. But I would be so bold, if you will, to say we're praying. There's a graph over there. You'll see it. We've got about 205 monthly supporters in the partnership right now. And that's very exciting because when I was here in November, we had like 36. So that's pretty encouraging to go from 36 to 205. But it's a bold. We're praying for a battalion of small givers. Why? For the stories you just heard. Not to take care of me and my family. For the stories you just heard. That mission can go forward, that whether it's Hosanna Church in Ukraine, whether it's Soledad in Colombia, whether it's the orphanage, whether it's a church right here stateside, it doesn't matter that they would know, my goodness, there are brothers and sisters who've never met us, who love us enough to participate in helping us meet our needs. Paul ends this way with the aim of partnership. Peace be to the brothers. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know yet whether or not I'll be able to be here. I'm talking to Tim. Fidel, the director of the orphanage. Some of you met him at Grace Partnership Conference. He might make his way through your church sometime this summer. I can tell you what's going to happen if he does. He's going to stand up here and you're going to see a smile that's so big, that's so happy. Because you're making room in your heart to just hear him. To welcome him. He's spending his own money to get here, and he's just going to travel to the churches to say thanks to those who are helping to meet the needs at Casa de Esperanza, which is the orphanage we support within the partnership. Why is he going to have that big smile on his face? Because he's going to encounter grace from you all. He's going to feel, even before he arrives, love. And if any of you own a Harley Davidson and want to take him on a spin, oh my goodness, will he love you. <laughs> will he love you. That's it, friends. That's what we're about. That's what Ephesians 6 is about. Experiencing grace together, encouraging one another, helping one another, caring for one another in our sojourn in a world where love is anything but incorruptible to somehow be a slice of heaven to one another in loving, caring, encouraging one another. So I want to thank you for how you've already been doing that locally first but in the partnership, and I also want to pray, and I want to ask God, maybe even before I get on that plane tomorrow, God will have added to our supporters because he's spoken to you today, moved on your heart to help us in helping others. And I want to conclude by encouraging you to please pay attention. 
because it's not just about writing a check. It's not even just about writing a check or praying. No, we need you to go. Somewhere, someday, you're going to see something's going to spring up where maybe that's going to be the one where God puts on your heart. I want to go. I want to participate in that. I want to help. I want to serve. I want to see that with my own eyes. And so COVID, we pray, we trust is coming to an end. Our short-term missions trips are going to ramp up. And we pray, we pray those will be on your hearts to consider for you. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this picnic to come. Thank you for new members today. Thank you in the spirit of this message that all over the world right now, literally all over the world, we have brothers, we have sisters, and they matter to us as we matter to them. So, Lord, would you just do abundantly above all that we would even know to ask or imagine for Trinity right here in Titusville, but in their connection, their relationship, their partnership with Grace Partnership, do more. Do more, Lord, than we know to ask or imagine. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Would you stand with me? Thank you so much, Aaron. This day isn't over. We've been talking about it since we got here. We will transition out to Fay Lake Park, not Fox Lake. So please join with us and uh, let's celebrate all that God has given us and these new members part of Trinity. Uh, I just think it's appropriate. Your benediction is Ephesians 6.22. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Uh, this table and this information will stay up the next couple of weeks. Um, if you'd like to know more, uh, if you would like to give, you can certainly do that, gracepartnership.net. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you, church. Let's go celebrate.